You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review on this bright, sunny, warm, no, not so warm, freezing cold March pre-spring day here at our Northern Command in Central Maryland. And it is Tuesday afternoon, March 5th, very special day. It is my wife's birthday. Um, happy birthday, honey. You know, when God when God declared that it is not good that man is alone, I shall make him a helpmate opposite him. God really knew what he was talking about. Um, you know, to begin with, working in this field of politics and media is really a 24-hour job. Extremely emotionally draining, as you well hear in my voice every day. And then especially when you have three rambunctious little boys to care for. So, you know, to have someone that really keeps the house intact and is so good when I spend extra time fighting for this republic, the values that we both so deeply cherish, I just really appreciate that. So happy birthday, honey. And uh, she is 40 days older than me, so you could figure out my birthday there. But anyway, anyway, that's why March 5th is a special day to me and special day here at the Hurwitz home. You know, speaking of Bible verses, we could go to, you know, from Genesis there to Psalms 23. Even when I walk in the valley of darkness, I will fear, fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, you know, that's what happens when you, when you walk, try to walk with God instead of walking with a cult of personality, phony movements. Fox News, Koch brother CPAC. I had a long conversation yesterday with Michelle Malkin. We wound up speaking for about two hours. Because I had to speak to her after that speech she gave at CPAC. And you saw it in her voice. You can't fake that sort of emotion. And it was just, it was comforting hearing someone that literally sees what I see, feels what I feel. And has been doing this for longer than I have. She has a real long 25-year look at where we've come from, what we've accomplished, and where we're headed. And she is as pessimistic as I am. Not that it has to be that way. Not that there isn't what to hope for if we actually created a movement. Because our views are stronger than ever. The proof behind them is more evident than ever, and the left is more extreme than than ever, that if we actually had a competent party pointing out not just their flaws, but a true due north of what we should be doing, I really think we'd be successful. The problem is we don't. Everyone has been bought off by Fox, bought off by this administration, And it's undermining the president's very own promises. We are being lied to on immigration by this administration, not just by the media. They're certainly lying to us about what's going on at the border. But we are being lied to 
on immigration. And today I want to talk to you in depth about what is going on at our border, what's going on in this administration, and how we've come to a point where this party and movement is such a defeat mechanism that we're actually worse off on the immigration issue than even under Obama. Because until now, I said to myself, look, I know I'm right on this issue. I know I will be proven right in a few weeks, the failure of this budget bill, what it did to us, and the insanity at our border is going to get worse by the week. I was proven right. Washington Post, of course, they get the exclusive because Border Patrol under a Trump administration doesn't change one iota. It's it's a broken agency, by the way. We're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow with a special guest. Um, but, I mean, not, not to disparage the individual agents, but at a political level, just like with the FBI, just like with all these agencies. So they, they won't work with us, but they'll give the exclusive to the Washington Post. They teased out preliminary data. The full data set is not up on their website. So Washington Post always gets it a few days earlier. I don't know if they only have the top line or they have more and they're just teasing out this. But again, we they're always they always have home field advantage. We're always playing an away game. But I digress. Washington Post reports that 70,000 people were apprehended in February. Right? It's been averaging about 58,000 uh, 60,000. It jumped in February, which has three fewer days than January. So that's, you know, should be 10% fewer apprehensions at the same rate. And it's up to 70,000. We don't have the number of family units, which was hovering around 30,000, but I would venture to say it's probably close to 40,000. So we're now at the point where not only is this qualitatively the worst migration ever and the most kids and family units and all the challenges that that creates than ever. But even in raw overall numbers, we're now starting to rival the pace of our worst periods of the Mexican migration. But you know what's funny? You know what happened? You see, there's no leverage anymore. Remember we when we spoke about the budget bill, we said not only are you, if you read the fine print, are you getting nothing? And you're actually giving into an amnesty provision. But we made the point that if nothing else, at least just pass a clean CR because we know this is going to get worse. We know we're going to be proven right that this is an emergency. And at least you have a live ball to work with to continue to make immigration the top issue, which Trump's approval was going up when that was the issue. And then we could use News like this. I mean, the Washington Post openly said, yeah, this is this is more, worse than ever. It's likely to go to 100,000 a month. That's a pace of 1.2 million a year, and that's just those who we apprehend. All of them, almost all of them, family units and kids, every single one of them released into our country, never, and will, they will never be deported, except for the ones that wind up committing the most heinous crimes. And that's only after the fact and probably usually after a couple rounds of it. But we have no leverage because it was given away. Because when we had a movement to tell the president, just simply pass a clean CR, it was the simplest request ever, they all backed down. Because access to Fox, access to the the Oval Office is more important. So we now have a defeat mechanism where even the degree of outrage and opposition we could conjure up on the right 
when other people are in office, now gets neutralized. Worse off than ever. What I'm going to tell you today should show very evidently to you guys that on the issue of immigration in particular, we are worse off than at any moment under Obama. So first of all, just the metrics, the numbers, and the quality and quantity of what is going on, what it's doing to our security, what it's doing to the Border Patrol is worse than at the peak of the summer 2014 wave of UACs, unaccompanied alien children, which aren't unaccompanied anyway, but that's a different story. And the thing is, that wave did die down at some point because when I was writing articles, Drudge would put them up. Everyone would talk about them. Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh would talk about them. Look at what Obama's doing. Handouts to the Central America, turning our country into a doormat. Stolen sovereignty. What is this? So Obama felt the pressure. And it also hurt his amnesty agenda because he wanted to give amnesty to those already here. And it hurts the agenda when you show you're flooding it with new illegal immigrants. So eventually he started deporting people. And it deterred it a little bit. Until the waning months of his presidency when he kind of went all out. Now, if a tree falls in the forest, who knows? Think about it. Remember I said I can't make the case better for the president than he can make himself. He's really under the gun here. A bunch of Republicans are dissenting on this disapproval of the president. You know, he's, he still has enough votes to veto it and not get it overridden, but it really hurts him politically. And he has the single biggest piece of evidence now. Washington Post of all journals published it as to why this is an urgent crisis. 15 tweets today about all the politics zero about this. He's sure ain't acting like it's, like it's an emergency. It's not, that, that's not my problem. Not acting like it's an emergency. And then, then there's this big lie about what they can and cannot do. We're told that everything gets back to the courts. I have an article out today. Sanctuary cities are, are more prosperous than ever. Not prosperous in terms of their economy, prosperous in ter- terms of their ability to get away with murder. Under the Trump administration, more so than under Obama. Now again, I know it didn't become such a phenomenon until more recently. But again, it happens under your watch. There's no middle ground. You got to deal with it now. They're all getting funding. Well, the court said I couldn't. DACA. Well, the court said I couldn't. Catch and release. Well, the court said I couldn't. You have an invasion of hundreds of thousands of people when prima facie, it's fraud, rampant fraud. The court said I couldn't. At what point is the emperor wearing no clothes? So, so go home. I mean, let's be open about it. So the ACLU and other groups could shop any district judge and shut and, and literally rape the INA, our immigration law, Upside down, inside out, the opposite of what it says, and there's nothing you can do about it. So stop lying to us. So what's the point in you being president then? And they now you now see the tactic of letting a thousand immigration lawsuits blossom. Even when the political John Roberts finally gets around to it and you get a good ruling, they come back with 999 other angles 
and shut it down. But it's only shut down if you allow it to happen. I am pretty confident at this point that Obama would have done more to stop this invasion, if nothing else, because of the embarrassment and because, you know, the right, when they're not in power, they're actually righteous. So they'd be pressuring him. You think he let one district judge shut down every single avenue to protecting our sovereignty? Do you think he would do that? He would give a speech and very, you know, articulately say like, look, you know, there's, there's one thing the Supreme Court, I mean, we, we really have separation of powers, but any district judge that's insidiously shopped around, give us, speak that, speak that out, make the case. Instead, he unilaterally surrenders to them. But it's worse than that. It's worse than that. I want to direct you, some of you who follow me on Twitter know this, to Todd Benzman's Twitter feed, at Benzman Todd. Todd, as you know, we've had on the show a couple times. He is an ace reporter, long history of reporting on the border and Latin America. Then he went into Texas DPS's Intel and Counterterrorism Division dealing with the border. Then he came out this past year and joined Center for Immigration Studies as, as a senior fellow, but is also doing reporting. So he has a lot of context. I've never seen someone with just the ability to get in, get a scoop that that he has. You know, if nothing else, he's just a really good reporter. Forget about conservative, just, you know, even for mainstream media, they, they should appreciate a guy like that. He gets stories like nobody else does. And he had a conversation off, on background last night with someone who runs a team of asylum adjudicators at USCIS. Right, That's the key agency here. That's the gatekeepers. See, Border Patrol catches them. ICE houses them for the period of time that we house them before we release them. But USCIS are the ones that are the gatekeepers of the magnet. And what he heard is that not only was Sessions' guidance, remember, Sessions was not DHS. He was the attorney general running the Justice Department, which doesn't officially have control over USCIS, which is under DHS. But, you know, he is the attorney general, the chief law enforcement guy for the executive branch, and he gave an opinion saying that, look, if none of them have a prima facie legitimate claim, do not check the box that this is a credible fear claim and put them into expedited deportation. That would shut this all down. That That's the linchpin. Instead, they are being told that they must process must process all of them because there's no more bed space. So much so that not just every family unit, but even the single adults, the people that even the courts didn't say you have to release, we're releasing now because there's no bed space. And yet Trump refused to hold the line on that and hold out and drag out the budget fight and make this case. He gave up, but they cut bed space by 17%. But anyway, these guys are being told that they, they must click a 98% acceptance rate when 0% of them are legitimate. They're now coming with identical stories from an identical town of an identical police officer that was forcing them to run drugs and that they fear to go back there. They find that when they talk to the kids, the kids will say they're coming to reunite with their family. 
They'll completely contradict their parents. Kids tell the truth. We tell the truth here as well. It's funny. I guess the conservative movement are kind of like, kind of like the illegals make stuff up. But um, look, you know, if I'm gonna lie and sully myself for a president that has a lot of character flaws, I'll do it for my own views. I'll do it for his own campaign promises. I'm not going to do it for the opposite. I'm not going to fall on my sword with all this Mueller stuff. For what? For what? Even under Obama, at some point, he was pressured. See, here's the difference. Under Obama, that was a well-oiled machine. They ran that administration. So 99% of the time, it was liberal. But if there was a period of time where he had to kind of back down, because of pressure, he would give them guidance that, okay, you got to clamp down on this. Here, Trump doesn't have sovereignty over his own, you know what. Jim Acosta is still sitting in that White House because of a district judge that he appointed. It's embarrassing at some point. And that's the irony. He's being regarded as a dictator, imperial president, all for reprogramming some dinky $2 billion, which doesn't get us anything. Pennies, trading pennies for a policy. It's a pennies for a policy problem. It's all policy. And if you're going to suffer so much, which he is, and not even address the problem, you may as well solve the problem and say, look, I am the chief executive. Here's what the Constitution says. Here's what statute says. These judges are out of line. Everyone knows that other judges that weren't forum shopped would say the opposite. The Supreme Court is being very weak. Even when they take up cases, the lower courts disregard them. This is nonsense. We either have a country or we don't. Even if it was in the Constitution that you had to do this, Robert Jackson, the great champion of due process, would say, as he said in a case in 1949, that the Constitution is not a suicide pact. You can never have this happen to you. Where, you, where your entire government becomes of, by, and for Central Americans. Flooding our country with the equivalent of a major city every year of the most impoverished aliens. The schools, the hospitals, the welfare. As Todd says, the person told him that he spoke to, they're paying for dental care, LASIK surgery, whatever they want. They hear about it. They come. You see, the Central Americans don't watch CPAC speeches. They don't watch Fox News. They look and observe reality. And the reality is that their neighbors and friends and relatives are all coming in here. And within 48 hours, not even the 20-day floors limit, 48 hours being released, never to be seen again, getting everything they want. And it creates a self-fulfilling invasion where so many then come and then the more they come the less detention bed there is space there is the quicker they get let, let out it's a death spiral that's happening at our border every single day and the president doesn't even act like it it's all about a political promise to save face with the base for screwing us on that budget bill it has nothing to do with the border wall USCIS is filled 
with a bunch of leftists. Who do you think goes into asylum policy? Who do you think goes into refugee policy? It's just like the EPA. There's no such thing as a conservative environmental field. They don't go into that. It's 100% leftists in there. Same thing here. They're all total leftists. And the person that Todd Benzman spoke to herself got in the same way. She wanted to help the world. But unlike some of her colleagues, she she was on in the field and, and realized, oh my gosh, we're being taken advantage of. This is a scam. She was a liberal and told him that all of her team is quitting. They just can't in good conscience, you know, the people down in the field, it's the political leadership that's the problem. This is happening under the Trump administration. And we sit and listen to speeches. Are you kidding me? Why am I the only one doing this? Why is Michelle Malkin the only one giving a speech saying, we're not winning this? I want to quantify for you what is going on here. Seventy thousand people caught in a month. That's an annualized rate. If you would have have that sustained rate over twelve months, that would be a rate of eight hundred forty thousand a year. The city of Baltimore, six hundred thousand. Eight hundred forty thousand in one year. But again. That's the urgency and emergency. It's getting worse. It's not because we're going by five months ago. And, you know, right this month, it could easily go to 100,000. Keep in mind, February, like I said, is three days shorter. And it was a very cold February. Very cold. Everyone knows that. Those of you who are in that part of the country know that. Um, The jet stream dipped so low that you had literally at the border in Arizona record snowfall. Several feet of snow in Flagstaff. But it dipped very deep. California, you know, L.A. and San Diego were the coldest they've ever been. You can imagine when the weather gets a little warmer, but not quite too hot. April to May. We could easily surpass 100,000. That's an annualized rate of 1.2 million. Not only is this the worst it's ever been because it's the kids and the family units. To give a metric... The worst part of the Obama administration, Mark Morgan, who is border chief, told me at worst 10 to 12 percent of their assets were being taken off instead of patrolling to being busboys for the so-called humanitarian business for the Central Americans. And they thought that was nuts. Now it's at 25 percent. 25 percent of Border Patrol is not even Border Patrol anymore. It's like HHS. It's like, you know, HHS, except for not for us. For Central America. Our entire government has been turned into an NGO for Central America to facilitate this invasion. So qualitatively, it's much worse. But it's but 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 it's quantitatively worse. Here's the misleading thing when the media tells you that oh, there were some times in previous decades we had one to one point three million, you know, apprehensions. Again, those were single Mexicans. These are Central American families. Based on our erroneous policies, it makes two very distinctive differences. Number one, the sheer numbers are misleading. It's likely that more numbers are actually coming in now, coming in on the front end. 
before we get to remaining in the country, just coming in. Because, again, we had a million apprehensions. But you know what else we had? We had a million returns and turnbacks, not deportations. Right? These are not counted as deportations, meaning either we turn you back right away or we repatriate you within a few hours, expedited removal. That's what we did. So a lot of these weren't a million or 1.3 million unique individuals. A lot of them would come 5, 7, 10, 12 times within a period of a couple of weeks. They'd, we'd catch them, come back, catch them, come back. That was the issue back then. So it's very likely that we actually are getting more, you know, whereas let's say, you know, back then, you know, right now we're getting 70,000 a month. Back then we'd have, let's just say 100,000 apprehensions in the worst years, but their number of apprehensions, the people could have been 50,000. Hard, hard to know exactly, but that's that's number one. But more importantly, the consequences. We were removing them. So on net, let's say only 100,000 were successfully, permanently embedding themselves and destroying our language, culture, hospital, schools, criminal justice, you name it. Now, at a clip of 700,000, 800,000, almost every one of them is remaining in the country. And now even not just the family units, it's, it's really everyone. It's over. It's a joke. He told me at some of the detention centers, the absconsion rate is 99% now. So any old data you have is out the window. What has happened the last couple of months is something we have never seen before. In every measure, it is worse than ever before. And they lie to us. Oh, we got it under control. Great bill, budget bill. Oh, and then I'll take care of the rest executively. He's not doing anything executively. He's doing more than even these courts that shouldn't be listened to or asked for. And then is expending all of his capital on $2 billion for border fencing for not enough. I mean, as long as you have one hole, and this will certainly leave a lot more than that, they come. It's the position of USCIS that they all must be let in. He told me, you know what she told him? That this has been, you know, we were talking about a couple weeks ago when we had Todd on, the fact that Mexico is giving them work permits and then letting them go. And that's how they're coming here from the caravans. But, but the fact that they're getting work permits should then invalidate them from asylum, even if you believe asylum is mandatory, when it's not. It's discretionary. Nothing ever forces our, us against our will. And certainly the president has 212F, 215A of the INA, and inherent executive or, or Article 2 powers, as stated many, many times by prominent justices in settled, settled law, the Supreme Court. But he won't assert it, will not assert it. He could expend his executive capital on that. And everyone would understand this. He could talk about this. Instead, it's all spent on nonsense, on something that doesn't address the issue. And frankly, he's on much shakier ground. Because unquestionably, a president has commander-in-chief authority, foreign commerce authority, and then delegated INA authority to stop anything from landing on our soil. 
reprogramming appropriations is very touchy already. Now, you got that statute, the Emergencies Act, but it's very touchy because appropriations is Congress. And then this puts certain people in a rough position, like Rand Paul. Look, you know I've criticized him. He's more libertarian than I, I am. I've beat, beaten him up on jailbreak. I don't agree with him on everything. But, I mean, you, you, some of these guys are in a tough position. If the president is not acting like it's an emergency and he's facilitating the invasion in every word that it matters, and the only way he gets tough, he sells us out on the CR. Oh, here's some $2 billion to reprogram. They're like, look, you know, this is a joke. You're not doing it in defense of the military, which I, I noted he can and should do anyway. We're going to talk about that more tomorrow, the need to actually deploy, deploy the military in a serious way, not just to change tires on, on vehicles and string some wire. So, yeah, I mean, they're in a tough position. Even if you disagree with Rand, I don't think he's that. Tearing him down is not the point here. It's not his fault what Trump did. At some point, the buck's got to stop with the man. USCIS is a joke. So, anyway, I lost my train of thought. So, this uh, adjudicator was telling him, that this has been happening for years with the executive branch. The USCIS is full of saboteurs. In other words, all the people engaging in civil disobedience against the INA and the judiciary, they're doing that in the executive branch and continuing under the Trump administration, where they know statutes is one thing, and they'll take people with permanent residence. There were thousands of Haitians that were permanently, not even work permits, permanently domiciled in Brazil. They didn't like the economy there. They came here. USCIS knew that and gave them status. We need a revolution in this country. It is unbelievable to the degree we are being taken advantage of. You know, he would tell me another thing that he was hearing. So remember how I, how I was telling you that the whole unaccompanied alien child thing is a lie because it's only for those that are a victim of severe trafficking. And, and number two, they don't have family here, okay? So the whole idea is you're grabbed and kidnapped and you're thrown here as a kid and you don't have family. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, statute, it's not broken, makes sense. So we'll treat you like a refugee, of course. 100% of these people are self-trafficked, criminal Criminals working for the cartels. It's what they are. In order to reunite with their family that are indeed already here illegally. You know what he told me? It's worse than that. He said like in Texas at the Rio Grande River, often they'll land the family here first and then have the kid get over in some sort of way, however they get over. And USCIS will treat the kid as a UAC because for those 20 minutes or half an hour or hour, officially the kid was unaccompanied. Think about that. Think about that. We are being lied to. Why can't Trump give a speech on this? Better yet, the last time I checked, I'm sick of hearing the deep state. It's the shallow state. Because if you had a deep state problem, then the people in the White House would be like, you're doing what? And again, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of places, maybe you don't have enough resources, attention to take care of subversion in your administration. 
things happen quietly. This is not quietly. This is the most open thing that's happening. You see the results. The data doesn't lie. I'm sick of excuses for a guy that was so MAGA and he's so strong on everything. Oh, he's such a strong guy. I've never seen such a weak cock globalist in my entire life. Everything is an excuse. The courts practically cut his balls off. And speaking of castration, if this doesn't bring out the point, I don't know what does. Let me tell you something. So you remember, one of the few things we finally got from the Supreme Court, so a district judge said, hey, Mr. Trump, I'm denuding you of your uh, power. You're not commander-in-chief. You have to let in trainees to the military and pay for sex change operations. So the administration was like, okay, fine. But they, they appealed it. And eventually, after a year of that, the Supreme Court took off the injunction. Yeah, this is, this is nonsense. Okay. Do you know, to prove my point, the di- so there were several district judges. One of them is in Maryland, and he's refusing to take off the injunction. So now you might think, okay, all right. So you're going to listen to every civil disobedience and power grab and illegal rebellion against our laws by a judge, a congressionally created court, not constitutionally created, but at least the Supreme Court is the final word. So at least when you get the Supreme Court ruling, fine, then, okay, I'm in the clear. They are so pathetic that rather than just doing what they want after the Supreme Court told them, they're now going up the chain again, a second round, and begging the Fourth Circuit to take off the injunction from the district judge. You can't win like that, folks. And that's it. See, what, what, what's happening with immigration, I noted that with a thousand lawsuits, there's a thousand different iterations of a case. So, you know, we'll, we'll get a positive ruling from the Supreme Court and they'll come back in 999 other manifestations where the ruling of the Supreme Court should still control that activity because it's the same principle, but they'll say it's what's a different case. And, and the lower court judges will totally side with them. But this is literally in that case, they won it at the Supreme Court. Could you please? I have the filing. I have the filing with the Fourth Circuit. There are the most pathetic people in this White House. I mean, at some point, the buck's got to stop with him. Someone's got to tell him, hey, Mr. President, every word you're saying in your speeches is a joke. I don't care. There's going to be a range in this audience from those that sympathize with the president. It's not his fault to know he, he's a fraud or he's just weak or somewhere in between. I don't care. What I do know is what is happening. Let's not kid ourselves. Okay, don't deny it. You can make excuses, but this is what's happening. So this needs to be the number one issue. Instead, Mueller, 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 cone, cone, cone. And you know the sick irony. If you're worried about Mueller and the scandals, do you know the best antidote? If we would have had a constant CR battle with budgets, immigration, when immigration was the top issue, you know what you didn't hear about? Mueller, Mueller. When they let the Democrats off the hook on immigration and gave them everything they wanted, that's when they ramped up their investigations. That's how stupid they are strategically, too. 
Another thing from Todd. The vast majority of Central Americans this Texas office sees are illiterate with no or very low education. Large numbers are indigenous Indians who don't even, don't even speak Spanish. No interpreters. Many get let out with no interview and credible fear box checked. Do you understand what we're bringing in? Look, I feel bad for the world. I wish everyone had our standard of living. I really do. Just like when you guys walk around, especially those of you who live on the West Coast, with the homeless problem, our own homeless in America. Of course you feel bad, but you know, I don't know, they have diseases, are they dangerous? You don't know, you're not gonna leave your door open to them. You might, you could pray for them, but you have a family, you, you just can't do that. And it's the same thing here. We can't do that to our people. We're not, we're not getting the so-called upper class of Central America. That's not the ones who are coming. It's the bottom of the bottom. Which leads me to the next thing. Diseases. It's amazing how we will not talk about what's plain in sight. This is no longer conjecture or logical conjecture that it was logically like, look, you know, We've eradicated so many diseases. Now we're having them all. The, 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 you know, these places are rampant with it. It's direct now. In September, Honduras declared an emergency over an outbreak of mumps in the country. Now, CBP reports that in their facilities, there's 200 cases of mumps. Now, you know what's interesting? What happened last September... That's when the caravan formed from Honduras. We're letting in the caravan. Therefore, we're getting in the mumps. Now, let's just say for a minute that every single bottom of the barrel that comes in is fully taken care of and screened and on our dime and inoculated before they're released. So... We're going to suffer every other social and fiscal and security ill from them. But let's say that's taken care of, at least that part. Let me ask you something. What about the people we don't apprehend? There's no reason to think that the people coming from these countries that we don't apprehend are less prone to carrying these diseases than the ones we do. Well, they're not screened and they're not inoculated. We have a measles outbreak in the country, and it might be mumps too. We have all sorts of funny things that are happening. The House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Healthcare, and now it looks like today Lamar Alexander's committee on HELP, Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, they're holding hearings on this outbreak. And what's the entire discussion over the anti-vax crowd? Now, look, I might turn off some of my listeners here. I don't know who listens, who doesn't. I am not one of those people, and I think it's foolish, and I don't support that movement. But with that said, you have to realize it's got to come from somewhere. So if you don't vaccinate, so then you're just you're exposing yourself to it. But in America, we didn't have this stuff for a long time. So let's say there's a movement where a certain amount of people stop getting vaccinations for their kids. You don't suddenly get measles, mumps, tuberculosis, scabies. You don't, you don't get this stuff. It's got to come from somewhere. Now, I agree it's a problem when you have people not getting vaccinations. But 
It's got to come from somewhere. Nobody's discussing that. It's like the fool that points to the moon and we all focus on the finger. Oh, you know, you, 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 Lamar Alexander's talking on, you can't just look on the internet and believe everything you hear about vaccinations. Whatever. That's not the issue here. The issue is, you little SOB Lamar Alexander, your policies have brought this in. It's direct. You saw the people we had on, or that I've at least interviewed offline, I didn't have them all on the show. The county commissioner in Hidalgo County, the head of the EMS service there, Sheriff Wilmot and Yuma, that they're dealing with tuberculosis. They're dealing with this now. Remember when Sheriff Wilmot said a guy that was taken to the hospital with TB and then escaped out a window. You could not destroy a country in a more methodical way than we're doing now. Could you ever imagine the cost of everything we're doing? More, more from Todd. Elective LASIK surgery is offered to all female migrants in family detention. Children given braces, all no cost. Then catch and release into the interior. Migrants calling home with the news of these incredible benefits. And the rush here goes on. U.S. asylum officer to me. Migrants with kids first tell Border Patrol they're coming for work, a deportable claim. Then pro-migrant group lawyers give them fake stories of government persecution to get credible fear box checked. In Dilly, Texas, 98% abscond after release. U.S. asylum officer to me, we are under orders to grant credible fear in the high 90 percentile to all migrants with children and releases within 10 days. The fraud coaching is so rampant and obvious that 75% of my team has quit in disgust. Orders from high USCIS officials. Asylum officer to me, the vast majority of Central Americans this Texas office sees are illiterate. Okay, I said that already. Um, Another one, same per persecution story details by thousands of Central American migrants. Hometown, hometown cop made me sell drugs, then beat me, government persecution. Hundreds of moms all suddenly gay, credible fear box checked every time. Um, USCIS leaderships require yes, and if they don't, they'll return it back with almost like a veto. They'll overturn the field adjudicators. That's, a, that's another big thing that happened because now we cr created a right for gay chain migration. Now, th these people obviously aren't, but you'll have five people come in and say they're les lesbians. It's a new thing. It's all being facilitated by these groups. And you want to know what happens to these groups? They're working in USCIS and immigration judges. Who do you think becomes them? No conservatives work in the immigration field. And no immigration law. There's a handful. It's the very people orchestrating the invasion. Then they apply for jobs and subvert us from within. I don't know what to tell you. If everything is the courts, everything gets back to them. If, if, if Trump's position is that he will allow irrevocable damage to this country, hundreds of thousands permanently coming in, the carnage we've... We've uh, chronicled both from what that does to the cartels, what that allows them to bring in between points of entry, which we're going to talk about tomorrow, the public charge, the diseases, all because of a district judge that you know is the opposite of law. And that even if you would get a reprieve from the Supreme Court, they're going to come back again and you're going to honor that again. Heck, you're going to honor it until you personally beg that district judge 
to take it off, take off the injunction, even after the Supreme Court ruled with you. I don't know what there is to say. If that is the, if everything is an excuse for this administration and ultimately the man himself, what's the point? The movement needs to sit him down and say, you're losing this. Instead, they stand down. It is so corrupt from beginning to end. And this is happening really on a lot of other issues. But it's most evident here. It is so, so sad. But that is the raw truth of what is going on here. That is the whole truth. I put in a request to USCIS whether they could um, refute Todd's claims. Still waiting back. Highly doubt I'll get an answer. Because guess what? There's nothing to, to refuse. There's nothing to refute. But anyway, it's unbelievable how they're having this discussion about vaccines today and will not bring up the 800-pound gorilla in the room. This stuff, I cannot think of issues that are easier to convey to an electorate and that will resonate more. One Senate office once told me when they were running for office, they poll-tested all the different angles of illegal immigration, all the different harms of it, deleterious effects. And by far, what resonated the most with suburban voters was the fear of diseases. We won't even make that case. Trump's not even talking about this issue in the abstract now. Talking about Cohen. But, oh, well, I got to, the Democrats, I got to push back. But the only reason why they have the leverage to do that now. Huh. I'm sorry, I interrupted a, a train of thought there. I'll complete. The only reason why they have the leverage to do that is because Trump gave them the time. What I was laughing about is literally as I'm talking now, a federal judge orders Trump administration to restore Obama era rule designed to prevent pay discrimination. Every last thing that didn't exist from the beginning of our country until the second term of Obama, they're saying that he has to continue. I, I don't know what to tell you. There is no magic bullet. If you're not going to push back against those courts, there's nothing left. Let's go home. What's the point? You know what I mean? Look, look. If there's 20 things we need to do and two of them, the courts are going to get in the way of, even though they're totally wrong, I could hear an argument that, yeah, it's been embedded in society so much. I'm too scared to push back against this notion. Even though the truth is the notion of lower court supremacy and is really not embedded. It's new. And, and Clarence Thomas said it's unconstitutional, at least at a universal injunction level. So that would, that's really easy to push back against and they don't. And that's the main part of the problem here. But I could hear that. But Mr. President, you have nowhere to run. You have nowhere to hide. You have nowhere to retreat. 
They got you around the balls. Every last thing. Every last thing that you could unquestionably do executively. Congress is dead. You're not going to get anything through there. Any last thing is over with. So, you know, we're already over two years into this administration. That's a long time to waste. But they were under this impression, okay, look, you know, let's just play cool. Let's put our hands in the air, surrender to the courts, show that we, we're good. We're not going to challenge you. And the Supreme Court will take care of it. That's been proven wrong. You see now. It's not happening. Everyone knows. I mean, even the mainstream media is writing tons of articles now on Roberts, how he's purposely staying out of that. You're not getting it. And even the few cases you do, they come back for more with a slightly different angle. Heck, even the same angle. What I'm telling you is at some point, there's nothing left. At some point, there's nothing left to your country. You got to assert your rights. You know, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, he was prime minister at the be- from pretty much the beginning of Obama's tenure. They overlapped. And a lot of people think that he openly just fought Obama and he was, you know, just stood up against him. But the truth be told, for the first few years, Netanyahu was obsequious to everything Obama wanted. Obama was like, hey, buddy, uh, you're going to take down the checkpoint. Uh, you're going to lift some of the blockade on Gaza. Okay, here's what you're going to do. And he listened. But then it got to the point where Netanyahu started to realize, like, dude, like, I can't buy any goodwill. It's not like, okay, I could surrender on A and B so I could preserve C and D in the long run and kind of suffer some short-term setbacks, but in the long run, maybe went out. Um, like, this guy's not stopping. Like, you know, he's not just chopping off my fingers. He's going for you know what. And finally... You had that famous dramatic moment where Netanyahu came to Washington and Obama, you know, they have the press gaggle together. And it was probably one of the, it was probably the tensest moment you've ever seen with two world leaders. You know, you normally they just like, you know, yeah, everything's going good. And, you know, they just put on a show for the cameras, even if things didn't go well. But Obama looked Netanyahu in the eye and said, you know, this has got to stop. You need to go back to pre-67 boundaries. And that's when Netanyahu looked him in the eye and he said, Mr. President, I, you know, I appreciate our relationship and everything, but it's just not going to happen. We can't do that. It's just not going to happen. And he explained, he didn't use the word Auschwitz borders, but he explained how it's like, there, you do that, there's nothing left. That is where we are right now. In this country. We'd be at that position. Even if somehow the left had the law. And the constitution on their side. There's nothing left. It's more and more. If you're telling me that entire continent. Could come to your shores. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it. There's nothing to fight for. No other generation. Would agree to that notion. But how much more so. That we have the law on our side. It never ends. It never, never ends. So this is just also breaking now. The numbers are out. 
So I was going off the preliminary numbers that were given to the Washington Post. 70,000 is what they said. The numbers are now out. Um, reported first by this Washington Post reporter. His name is uh, Nick Myroff. He's their border reporter. Now, he got it from this conference call with CBP. I got on it at 10 o'clock, but a half an hour later, I still had the music on. So they were running so late, I just put it down. Now it looks like they did post the audio of the call online anyway. So I'll listen to it later. But 76,325 apprehensions plus inadmissibles. That's up 31% just from January. 76,000. 40,325 family units. 40,325 family units in one month. In 2017, we were getting 5,000. Now it's 40,000. 40,000 family units. So we don't we don't even have the number of people. And unaccompanied aliens are now over 7,200 UACs. See, the UAC started to go down because they were all just ensconced in the family units. Those are going up too. And I wonder if it's as we warned, that provision in the bill that was just signed that invites people to sponsor kids. To sponsor kids to go and get amnesty. That is the story. That is the story. There's nothing more to say. No country would ever do this. No country would ever do this. It's just so sad. 136,000 family units since October. We had 107,000 the entire last fiscal year, and that was a record. When is this going to stop? It's very simple. The way to stop an invasion is you stop the invasion. You just don't let them in. You say we're closed for business. But that's the story here. If we are going to be told that a single district judge could do anything they want, there's nothing left. And you know what's funny? Going back to the story of the discrimination pay, Okay, just want to go back to that for a minute. Remember I told you last week that the Koch brothers and these libertarians, they don't care about our, our culture, our country, and just everything being destroyed by the civilization issues, but they're worried about the courts and their regulatory issues. So much for that. Judge Tanya Chutka by the way, this was one of the travel ban judges as well. as other. He might have been in the transgender ban too as well. 
wrote in her decision that OMB, which has been led by acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, did not adequately explain the reasoning for terminating the rule. See what I mean? There's so many different ways you could do what you want if you're a judge. It's over with. I'm going to try to get more people on the show to get their perspective more than mine to see if there's anything more we can do. But, you know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm personally just a little bit rattled. I know I've been doing a lot of live fire today. Laura Ingram tweets at me. So I tweeted out, now even the UAC numbers are the highest of this presidency. Remember, we warned about the provision in the budget bill inviting people to sponsor UACs and get amnesty. Laura Ingram tweets at me and says, this was an epic GOP fail, like kind of highlighting GOP fail, but not Trump. The family units and USCs are themselves a congressionally created crisis. They should have dealt with this years ago. It's not true. It was an administrative problem. Now, they should have dealt with it. Yeah, I mean, when you see an administration and the courts misinterpreting a statute, you should get involved. It's not the statute. It's USCIS officials. But when you play the Fox News game, you always got to defend the man. And they're so stupid. They think they're doing him favors. They're not. He could win the election single-handedly on this issue. I want him to win. But you got to speak the truth. Stop creating straw men. You got to go where the problem is. We know we can't get anything out of Congress. We know that. The courts are evil, so there's one branch of government left. He's got to do what he's got to do. And he has this power. Anyway, tomorrow we're going to have a really exciting show. We're going to get back to the cartel stuff, the drug trafficking the story of the ranchers. We're going to have this very special guest. Make sure to tune in and, and send this to all your friends and relatives because you're not going to hear the truth anywhere else. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for walking through this with me. Let's do this together. I know it's going to be very slow and frustrating to take back our country, but we first need to tell the truth what is even happening to our country before we could formulate a solution to take it back. Until next time, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.